so excited today for this message uh, because we're in this uh, series that we're studying the parables of Jesus. And we started out the series with like four Sundays in a row that are kind of just preparing us to study the parables of Jesus. And we weren't really in the parables of, parables of Jesus a lot. And so we finished with that. That was all, all good. And now we're actually in the parables of Jesus. And I'm so excited for the parables. I had to preach on four of them today. And so um, just, I had a couple people let me know that, you know, with the extra hour last night, you all know what the extra hour is for. It's not for sleeping, it's for listening to a long sermon. So I get an extra hour to preach today. Is that good? I'll cover four parables. We'll be done in less than a half an hour. Um, all right, here's a statement. Listen carefully. If all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff too? Right? Who, raise your hand if you have a mom or dad who has ever said that. Uh, raise your hand. A, uh, a boss, a babysitter, a teacher, a coach, an uncle. I, I figured we'd have more than 90%. And uh, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're liars. <laughs> Here's how the conversation would go. It would go something like this. Hey, mom, um, after the football game, I'm going to go to a party at the Johnson's farm. The Johnson's farm? Aren't they convicted criminals who use filthy language and they deal drugs? Yeah, but all my friends are going. Well, if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff too? Right, that's how it goes, right? It, solid argument. I mean, it's hard to argue with that logic, right? I mean, it's a, that statement is like a little short parable in itself, isn't it? And, it? and it teaches us the same things that actually Jesus is going to teach us today in these four short parables that he tells us. Um, three things, three, three main things. Um, these aren't written down. They're not on the slides. If you're taking notes, uh, use this blue sheet right here. Grab the pen that's in the pocket ahead of you. This is the message notes. I'm going to give you three bonus things right now, so you better be quick. Here they are. Number one, here's what Jesus teaches us today. People and things are not always as they appear. Number one. Number two, popularity is not always right or even good. And number three, when you have a hard time figuring those two out, just listen to your mom or to Jesus or both. Ultimately, Jesus is better. All right. So the parable that Jesus starts off today is, uh, has to do with the narrow and the wide path. Okay, it talks about a narrow road and a wide road. And it's important, I want to give you a little preview here before I read the parable, because Jesus' point is this, narrow is going to get you where you want to go. Wide will not. Narrow path will get you where you want to go. Wide will not. Okay, and, and also Jesus teaches us this. It's not like, I, it took me a while to understand this. I think I finally got this like five years ago. It's not like the narrow path is over there and the wide path is over there. And then you're like, well, that's pretty easy. It's very obvious that wide path, I got to stay away from that. It's not, it's not like it's a fork in the road, but they're, they're woven together. So the narrow path is within the wide path and that's what makes it tricky. So to help you understand this, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to um, let you into my Harley-Davidson motorcycle world and uh, talk to you about some motorcycle safety tips 
that are really important. This is how I ride my motorcycle and how they taught me. So there's the road. This is the wide road. White line on the left, white line on the right. That, let's say that's, that's the entire road. That's the wide path. See that? This is a picture from my motorcycle. Here is my windshield. No, I did not take this picture. My wife did, sitting behind me. Okay. So we're on, uh, we're on the proper side of the road. So right now, we're riding on the narrow path because if we ride on the white path, we're going to ride over here. And what, what's over there? Oncoming traffic. Not a good idea. Wide path leads to a bad place. We narrow the path, and when we stay on the narrow path on this right side, wow, that's good. We're good to go. Now, anyone out there who rides motorcycles knows that there's even a more narrow path. Right, Bill? Bill knows this. A more narrow path within this path. There's actually three paths within the, the right lane. There's a left one, a middle one, and a right one. And if you know how to ride a motorcycle and you're interested in safety, you're going to know which of those three in the right lane to ride in at the right time. Way on the left. We're kind of there now, this, this picture. You ride way on the left when you're riding in an open highway. And I always wondered this when I, before I rode a motorcycle. Like, I'm, I'm driving, and motorcycles are coming my way, and they're, like, hugging the center line. I'm like, dude, back off. Get, get over there. But we do that. Motorcyclists do that for a reason. We're more visible to oncoming traffic if we're here instead of here. We're more visible. Right? Coming, a car coming around that curve, right? A car comes around that curve. He's going to see me sooner if I'm here than if I'm hugging the white line on the right side. Oh, and there's so much more. If you're driving in city traffic, oftentimes you'll want to ride on the way right when a car is in front of you and they're turning. And so there's lots of, you have three options and reasons to ride in the narrower part of the narrow lane. You getting this? So motorcycle riding is more dangerous if you ride wide. Following Jesus is more dangerous if you follow wide. And by that I mean no boundaries, Jesus, thanks for, thanks for being a great guy. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's riding wide. Believing everything, anything and everything. You believe anything and everything that you don't, you're not riding. You're, you're riding wide. You're not riding. And narrow gets you where you want to go. Safe destination. Wide does not. Right, so this is Jesus' point now. He's telling us this parable of the narrow and the wide. So let's listen to Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 7. Um, I'm going to need your help here, okay? So pay attention. When I turn and point to you, as I'm reading this, I'm going to turn and point to you, and you're going to say the word that comes next. Ready? If you're ready, say nothing. Perfect. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus' words, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to? Mm-hmm. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Motorcycling and, and, and following Jesus is more dangerous when you ride wide. 
Riding wide is just believing everything, believing anything, right? No boundaries. And what does it lead to? A faith journey that is wide leads to destruction. A faith journey that has no self-control, no boundaries, anything and everything, leads not to Jesus, not to heaven, not to forgiveness, not to answered prayer, not to God's guidance, not to hope, not to contentment, not to peace. Leads to destruction. Ah, oh, well, who would choose that? That's, who, who would do that? What does Jesus say? How many people ride wide? Follow wide? Many. There's many people that, that follow Jesus and, and ride wide. Don't be one of them. Don't be one of them. Don't follow Jesus based on everyone else. Follow Jesus based on Jesus. So if Jesus says, don't ride there, then don't ride there. Doesn't matter how many other people are riding there, don't ride there. If Jesus says, when you follow me, you don't look at these things, then don't look at those things, no matter how many other people are looking at those things. And Jesus says, you want to you follow me and be part of my motorcycle gang? Then you don't say words like that. Then don't say words like that, even though everyone else is saying them. Jesus says, follow me based on me, not based on everyone else. Choose the narrow road. I'm going to give you a real-life example of what this looks like. I have a really good friend, fine Christian, um, good guy, and we talk regularly, and uh, he's struggling with an alcohol problem. And so we talk and we chat and we pray and we spend time together, and it's a journey. It's not a quick fix at all. And his heart is in it, and he's repentant. He wants, to, he wants it to get better. He's just a good Christian man. And, uh, and this verse came up as we were talking, and, uh, and, and I, I framed it this way for him. I said, Make, just think of two columns, almost like the two lanes of traffic you saw in that picture, okay? In this column, there's, you know, there's one word in this column, drinking, okay? And in this column, there's some different descriptors. Uh, good night's sleep, wake up refreshed, stay in the moment with my family in the evening, a, a man who keeps his commitments, we go, totally functional, right, go down the line. And we were looking at that, and we said, you know, it's very natural, for us, even as Christians, for us to say, I, I, I can do both. Jesus is saying, no. And in his case, at least, that both doesn't work for him. Maybe it doesn't work for you either. Both does not work. He's, he's got to make a choice. So that, it became very clear, right? Choose one. This is the wide road. It doesn't lead you to where you want to go. But there's a narrow road, and then if you look at it that way, comparing the two, narrow to narrow, well, duh, I'm not going to choose that over all this good. That's the, that's the visual. That's the way to think about it. And uh, that was really helpful in our last conversation. We'll see where it goes. So believe in Jesus. Give th careful thought to your ways. Follow the narrow road. And um, Jesus gives us some help there. We're going to continue with the next parable about 
following him and actually who to follow. I, did, did I tell you anything about motorcycle yet? I'm so excited about more. I got to tell you one more thing. So I learned how to ride a motorcycle when I was an adult, and my wife and I got one for our anniversary, and we joined the local Harley Owners Group, the Hog Chapter, and uh, made some really good friends there with names like Barracuda, Viper. Barracuda was my mentor. He helped teach me how to ride. I don't know if you, I, I, Viper, that, that dude looked nasty. I mean, he, but you learn as you get to know these people and you go to weekly meetings and you go on rides together. And a lot of times they're charity rides for kids, for breast cancer, for all kinds of neat causes. And you start to see, eh, this motorcycle gang, this hog chapter, this is not Hell's Angels, okay? But it's still a motorcycle chapter, leather and the tattoos and you name it. Um, good, good people, very good people. So do I follow them? Do I let them teach me how to ride a motorcycle? I, well, uh, I, I did because I learned I, I could trust them, and, and this is relate. So here's Jesus in, uh, in the next section of the parable in, uh, in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, it says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. All right, should you follow them or not? Uh-huh, be careful. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Hey, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So, I mean, what's a false prophet? Hey, a false prophet is any author or blogger, any person who posts comments on social media or makes commentary about politics, any pastor or teacher or coach or church who, who communicates and proclaims something and says, I, I, I'm teaching you this, and it's solid, it's right, it's true, it's even as true as God is himself, and they're wrong. <laughs> that's, that's a false prophet, okay? Anyone like that? Um, later in, in the book of Second Peter, I'm, I found this verse, uh, and it talks more about false, false teachers and false prophets and how to recognize them, and it's really helpful. It says this, um, wh where are they going to be? Where are you going to find false teachers? Okay, listen carefully. Here's what 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, here's what it says. There will be false teachers among you. Just do me a favor. Look to your right. Give a good look at that person. Now look to your left. Good look at that person. Look up here on stage. Any of these people could be false prophets. Be careful. Among you, the Bible says, among you, or is not beyond any of us, including me, to think I'm representing God and not. Right? Be, so right now kids are like elbowing their moms and dads going like, see, I don't have to listen to you. That's not true. Uh, they old false teachers among you. Um, so my point is this. They, sometimes false teachers and false prophets appear as enemies. That's when it's easy to, to, 
to identify them, but sometimes they appear as friends. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Um, and, and they could even be your own church or pastor, so be careful. Be careful about me. Don't, don't just trust me because I say it, right? There's a detection system. I'm going to show you what that is here in a second. All right, Peter continues. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Why are the heresies so destructive? Well, they're damaging, but first of all, they're so secret. They're hard to identify. That's the point. They're secretly, they're, they're deceptive. And he says, many will follow their shameful ways. It's going to work. They're going to lead people astray. And then those people are going to lead other people astray. And then you have the, every, but everybody else is jumping off a cliff dynamic going on, all right? So, um, Jesus continues here, um, or, or back, back to Jesus' words where he says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So look at those words carefully. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So a couple things. Number one, fal false teachers are deceptively fluffy. Aww. So cute. Like a nice little sheep and fluffy and I just want to hug it and uh, okay Arr! and then you get bit by a wolf okay so they're deceptively fluffy they look innocent and nice that's part of the danger hard to recognize but also these Jesus words dangerously ferocious false teachers they, they will cause harm wolves are troublemakers Wolves are dangerous. Wolves will cause, cause harm. Thirdly, um, they are determined by their fruit, Jesus says. Is it possible to detect them? Yes, it is. By their fruit, you will. You will. See, you can recognize false teachers if you're careful and if you don't look at their fluffiness and you look at their fruit, what they produce. So what, what does that mean? Well, what's coming out of their mouth? Their teachings. A church body. Re, a, a church itself, research its teachings. What does it say? What are its teachings? Is it a denomination or not? And if it is a denomination, what does that denomination teach compared to another one that you're familiar with? Research, test, right? De determine whether it's false or true. Jesus says there's some going to be true and some going to be false. So we should do that test. And then here's what's really helpful. I think if I had anything to tell you about how to detect false teaching, it would be this. And this is, I, this is for your encouragement because you do not need a seminary degree. You do not need to know the Bible in Hebrew and Greek. You don't need this high level of intelligence. Here's all you need. Know without a doubt what the real thing looks like. That's it. Know without a doubt what the real, what the real truth, what the real Savior looks like. You know, that's how they train federal agents to, de to detect counterfeit money, right? You know this? They... They don't send them to school to study 1,700 million different options for what could be counterfeit. They send them to school and they get out a $100 bill and they said, smell it. You know, feel it. Taste it. Look at it. What, right? This is, the real, this is a real $100 bill and then anything else is not. Simple. So how do you detect false teaching? That can be so hard. Discernment can be so hard. No, it's not too hard. Just... Know what the real thing looks like. Know what, know what the real Jesus looks like. Know what his real forgiveness is. Know what his real power and strength is. Know what his real wisdom is. 
Know what his real presence is like. Know, know that, and you'll be fine. You'll know everything else isn't real. And then here's, this is a little more practical, okay? I want to help you. What does it mean to know real Jesus? Let Jesus be real to you. Let, let Jesus be himself to you. How do I do that? Number one, let Jesus see the real you. Let Jesus see who you really are. And don't be afraid. Let him in. Number two, invite Jesus into your deepest problems and surrender, submit to him and surrender to his solutions, not your pre-made ones that you've decided are the best. That's being real with Jesus. Jesus, I have this problem. And he says, oh, I have a solution. You say, is there someone else? Okay. Let Jesus be real to you is surrendering, submitting to him, to his will, to his answers to prayer. And then thirdly, how Jesus real to you. Now this has to do with others, okay? This is a good sign that Jesus is real in your life. When others look at you, observe you, talk to you, become your friends, you get to know them, they hang out with you, and others say to you, you're different. And I love it, and I want what you have. That's a sign that Jesus is real in your life. When others notice and say to you, I want to I be like that. What do you have? What's... How does that work? And they, they pursue Jesus because he's so real in you. And finally, Jesus promises you real heaven. It's real. It's not an imaginary place. It's got a real zip code. We just don't know the zip code right now. But he promises heaven, and it's real. Um, I want to address this about heaven because uh, someone approached me. Actually, multiple people have approached me as a pastor and asked this. This is a big question that people wonder. Can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? Pastor, can I know that with absolute certainty that I'm going to heaven? Because I have friends, when I tell them, yeah, I'm going to heaven, then they say, how can you know that? You're being, you're, that's very arrogant. That's, full, that's so full of pride. You can't say, how do you know? That's the future. You can't know that. So now I'm wondering, Pastor, can I, can I say it or not? And they start doubting. So I, eh, uh, can you? Can you know for certain? Like absolute certainty. Right now, will you tell me I will absolutely for sure be in heaven. Would, would you have the guts to say that? The faith to say that? That maybe the pride to say that? Well, there's some people who thought they were going to heaven, and they were wrong, and Jesus told them why they were wrong, and that's the next part of, uh, that's the next parable here where he talks about this. Here's what he says. Many will come to me on that day. He's talking about judgment day. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? in your name, and, and in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. <gasps> there it is. There's, he's teaching us in this parable. There's going to be people who think they're in, and they're not. Now, take a good look as to why they're not. Okay, where are these people at? What are they talking about? What's important to them? 
hey, Jesus, we're here. We're at the heavenly gates. Okay, we showed up. And uh, guess what? Look, look what we did. And we did this, and we did that, and we did that. And does, that gets us in, right? Their confidence is in themselves, their own behavior. And Jesus will have to say, whoa, that, your own behavior doesn't get you into heaven. What gets you into heaven? Jesus. Believing in Jesus. Being baptized and knowing that, that Jesus has connected you in that way. Uh, so uh, it, their confidence is in themselves. If your confidence is in Jesus and not yourself, you can say, I will be absolutely sure. I, I'm absolutely sure I'll be in heaven. Absolutely, you can say that. It's not pride. It's not stupidity. It's not arrogance. It's, it, it's, it's saying, I trust Jesus so much that when he says I'll be there, I believe him. And you can have that, you can live with that certainty. Um, let's go to the next verses, 24 and 25, and they, they kind of put this into perspective as to how we live now. Um, Jesus continues, another parable. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Okay, so this certainty, this confidence, this security, who is it for? Everyone. That means you. No exceptions. You can't say, I don't know, Jesus doesn't want me there. Jesus can't forgive me. He'd, he would never love me. He can't get his grace. It's for everyone. And then this security, this confidence, look where it starts. It doesn't start with acts or activities. Those, are, those come, they're there. But what's first? Right? Everyone, Jesus says, who hears these words of mine. It starts with Jesus, and hearing is believing, and Jesus says, everyone who believes in me, you're in, and guess what? You show it by your behavior. Belief come first, then behavior. That's who's in, that's who's strong, that's who's secure. Now, you're secure in Jesus. You're a believer. Jesus is connected with you. You're great. He's real to you. You're real to him. What does life look like? Storms. Anxiety swirls in your mind and keeps you up at night. The burden of your busyness is like a ball and chain dragging you down to drown. Circumstances you can't control are like baseball-sized hail dropping from the sky and you can't stop it. That's what Jesus says still happens to people he loves and blesses and have a great relationship with him. Well, how does that make us different than the rest of the pagan world? Let me tell you. When you're right with Jesus, you know the hailstones are not in charge. When you're right with Jesus, you know that the wind is not calling the shots. And when you're right with Jesus, you know that the circumstances are not in control. No matter how scary they look, no matter how hard they are, circumstances did not rise from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus chose the narrow path. As a matter of fact, the most narrow path of all, Jesus chose it. Because his was the widest. He's the son of God. He's the 
He's, he has the widest path. He can do all things. And he narrowed that down to, by his restraint and his love, narrowed it down to be the only being in the universe ever to die for the sins of everyone else. That's a narrow path. And narrowed it down so that he was the only one to ever perfectly live and follow God the Father's will and his commands and do it perfectly. No one else. That's a, that's a very, I can't put my fingers close enough to make that narrow path. There's a that narrow path that Jesus lived. And then also on that narrow path, he, on his own, by his own power, he conquered death and he rose from the dead and applied that to everyone who was baptized, saying you are resurrected and you're, you're living a new life. That's a very narrow path. No one else is on it. Well, Jesus invites you to be on it, too. Storms are not in charge. Jesus is. All right. Martin Luther believed that. He, uh, you, you saw in the depiction that the kids provided us that he experienced a real storm, lightning, and it scared Scared the bejeebers out of him. He made this promise, like, God, I'll change my life. And then he did. And then he became very committed. Martin Luther gave his life to three main big Bible teachings. Scripture alone is absolute truth in what we believe. If it's in there, we believe it. If it's not in there, we don't. Scripture alone. Number two, grace alone saves. So grace is a free gift Forgiveness and love of God is for everybody. You don't earn it. Grace alone saves. And thirdly, faith alone saves. When you have faith in that grace and not in your own works, not in yourself, not in the things of the world, you're saved. Was Martin Luther popular for that? Not at all. He was persecuted by the very church that he was trying to defend and, and live under. And he had friends who disowned him and he lost jobs and, and career status. He had to go into hiding and pretend he was a knight and, and, and just, it, yeah, he, narrow path. But he wasn't afraid because he didn't live his life based on everyone else, but based on Jesus. Any of you familiar with the Jesus series called The Chosen? Raise your hand if you're familiar with that. So familiar with it? A good half or so. Okay, so it's a, it's a series. It's going in its fourth season. I think that's coming out in February. It's the fourth season. If you haven't caught it, you've got to catch this. It's a great series. It depicts Jesus and the disciples well. And the logo for that series is a bunch of fish. But if you notice something about the bunch of fish, the blue ones are swimming, are the only ones swimming in the other direction. Some of you math nerds are counting the blue ones right now. You count them? How many blue ones are there? One of them is kind of hard to see. There's 13. There's 13. Do you get it? Jake, their, their, their slogan is get used to different. I mean, you could put Jesus' parable in there. Take the narrow path, not the wide path. All right, all right, I know some of you are saying, but what are you talking about? Jesus had 12 disciples, and the chosen is about the 12 disciples, so who's, who's number 13? Me. Or, or you. Some would say it's Jesus. I think that's fair. 
I don't know what they say. Maybe you can Google this and see what the producers say. But I like the idea that it's 12 disciples and I'm, with, I'm in there with them. I have 12 others and Jesus on my side. And I don't count. No, no one's counting those gray fish right now. All right? We're not good. We're, we're counting the blue ones. You get that? Right? So get used to different. Jesus is different than anyone or anything else you want to save you. Jesus is different. He's the real deal. And follow him where he says to follow him, not based on everyone else. Follow him based on Jesus. If you want to do that, say amen. 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 I do too. <laughs>